0: Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend
1: and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Hey, Caleb. How's it going today? Great, Jason. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. This one's going to be just a little bit different than normal, but I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. That is right, Uh, Today, instead of focusing
0: on a specific cocktail, we're going to be talking about a distillery that we had the privilege to visit a few weeks ago, uh, New Riff Distilling in Newport, Kentucky.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about the various cocktails that were served up at the Aquifer, including my all-time favorite, Jason, which you know is the... (laughs) The Bourbon Neat. You know me so well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not that complex of a guy. (laughs) Thanks, man. That means a lot coming from you. Moving on. Jason, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of New Riff, their lineup of spirits, the cocktails that were served up, and really our overall experience at the Aquifer, which uh, is their in-house cocktail bar, by the way. Mm -hmm. But before we jump right in, let's introduce the finance topic. Let's. Today, we're going to dive into the Roth IRA
0: and do a little primer on it. Roth IRAs are something we talk about with almost every single one of our clients in some Mm -hmm. capacity. So today we're going to tackle some common questions about this little wonderful savings weapon. Uh, What is it? Who can contribute to it?
1: What are the limits? Where does it fit into your overall investing strategy? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Very applicable. Um, Thanks for that, Jason. Now tell me about New Riff. Uh,
0: This is from their website. You can Google it. It's called New Riff Distillery, if we haven't said Uh, Established 2014, we are a new riff on an old tradition, the tradition or theme being Kentucky bourbon. Founded in 2014 by Ken Lewis, a visionary Kentucky liquor retailer and entrepreneur, New Riff is led by a team of corporate refugees ranging from craft beer to politics and more. New Riff crafts a range of whiskeys, bourbon, rye, and eventually malted rye, and a host of specialty recipes as well as Kentucky wild gin. Mm Mm-hmm. Our mission is simple, to someday be counted among the world's great small distilleries. Becoming one of the great small distilleries of the world is a long-term play with no exact ring to win or title to be declared. We are independently owned by one family, and that independence, the freedom from outside pressures and interests, has allowed us to make an unforeseen declaration for quality. For perhaps the first time since the inception of the Bottled and Bond Act in 1897, a Kentucky Sour Mash Whiskey Distillery has committed itself exclusively to that quality standard, the world's highest. And we proudly lift that bar even higher by bottling without chill filtration. We stand behind this combination of classic American entrepreneurship and ingenuity, passion and knowledge born from one of the world's great spirit regions, and a talented team individually committed to doing things the right way. We are inspired by the great bourbon makers of the past and the wider tradition in Kentucky, but we will play our own riff on the sour mash Kentucky regimen, both with our standard of bottle in bond, without chill filtration, and through applying that production regimen to wholly new styles of Kentucky whiskey. Yet we also observe the tremendous whiskey history of greater Cincinnati, and we inhale that rye-rich backstory as well. At the end of the day, despite playing a free hand to improvise and create Kentucky whiskey anew, we uphold above all else the time-honored Sour Mash Kentucky regimen. We believe it is a fantastic way to make whiskey,
1: fully the equal of the traditions of the world's great whiskies. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, You know, I pick up New Riff's tagline there, a new riff on an old tradition. And the Roth IRA is kind of a new riff on an old traditional IRA, is it not? (laughs) Wow, Caleb. That is something.
0: (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what, but something. You always find some way to tie these cocktail topics with our finance objective.
1: Thanks, Jason. Love you too. Well, uh, folks, we tried our fair share of spirits in our time at the Aquifer. New Rift's lineup is pretty impressive. Um, Their flagship whiskeys include a Kentucky Straight Bourbon, a Kentucky Mm -hmm. Straight Rye, a single barrel bourbon, and a single barrel rye. Uh, But they also have uh, on tap, I shouldn't say on tap, but they also have a couple (laughs) of gin selections in there. Wouldn't that be something? A couple of gin selections in their lineup, uh, including the Kentucky Wild Gin, which was referenced, uh, and a Bourbon Barrel Gin, which I thought was really Mm. good. We sampled a few flights when we were there and, uh, you know, tried a couple of the different variations. I I think we tried, I don't know, between the three of us, nine unique spirits, if I'm not mistaken. What were your thoughts? Yeah, we were there for a few
0: hours and it was enjoyable. (laughs) Um, But my thoughts are it was good. I was impressed. I I am always leery when uh, someone says they're doing some classic thing with a new twist on it, you know, like like new Coke. Mm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So there was a there's a bad connotation with that for me. Yeah, but, not great. <laughs> <laughs> but they had really good stuff there, and they did a great job of showing off all of what they could do uh, with the cocktail bar and inside the distillery. Mm-hmm. That was called that's called the aquifer. I think we re- referred to that earlier. Yep. But they mixed up some high quality cocktails, uh, and I've had some really bad ones lately. Um, <laughs> but theirs were really good. The, their the tastes were complex and powerful. There were some really great bourbons and ryes to mix cocktails with, I think.
1: Yeah, as far as the bourbon goes, and they referenced it in their bottled in bond process, it's all higher proof stuff. So the lowest that they have there is 100 proof, which is 50% alcohol. Now, normally, you know, I like the high proof stuff, yes. but I, I can typically tell when I'm drinking high proof when I take a sip. This stuff was so smooth. The way I would describe it is it, it was smooth like a scotch, but it still had the heat that you'd expect from bourbon. Yeah, that that was good. Uh, and the the gin, yeah, the gin was something else entirely. I, I don't know if you. you it's we both like gin, mm-hmm. but this wasn't your typical juniper, piney, forward tasting kind of gin. It had more of a, I hate to say floral taste, but in a good way, not like the Lakeland tobacco way. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined um, the pipe. Anyway, <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's ruined many a pipe uh, in its time. <laughs> Some people really like that, but it you know yeah, it teaches. That's like all. the like the soapy floral not not good this was not that at all (laughs) not like Um, grandma's fancy soaps this was no yeah right the the guest bathroom soaps (laughs) 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 no this this bourbon barrel gin was legit it was very unique and man it made a heck of a martini (laughs) by the way you can listeners out there you can check out the recipes uh for all these drinks that we tried at newriffdistilling.com. i really liked it a lot i think they're doing a great job down there in newport
0: yeah, I have to agree. Absolutely. The bartender there even uh, tried to get us to like Campari. Uh, uh, you asked, you asked, is there any way to make Campari good? And one of the guys there was like, I don't know, add had a bunch of sugar. <laughs> and the other bartender just shook his head no in the background. Right. We asked three. And the, the, the head, the head bartender there, she swore she could make us like it. In a- Yeah, she didn't flinch, man. She didn't back down at all. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna, well, make, I'll make you this. It's a Boulevardier, which is a, it's basically a Manhattan but with Campari. I still wasn't sold. I prefer the Campari to be left out, man. Even though that is the best Campari included drink that I have had, it's just still too bitter for me. Uh, agreed. But it, it'd be better yeah. without it. But I recommend, I recommend checking out new Riff distillery if if you see it on the shelf at your your local store. Give it a shot. Uh, It's definitely worth it. I I found out there's a way bigger following for it that I even knew of because we hadn't heard of it until we visited the
1: distillery. Yeah, I I was really impressed. I thought it was funny that uh, I think we were kind of trying to test the bartenders a little bit while we were down there. Mm -hmm. And thanks to Campari Katie, she had no fear. (laughs) And I'm not going to say that I enjoy Campari. If you go back and listen to the uh, My Heart Will Go On episode two where we jumped into Campari drinks, I think you'll uh, there's no mincing words there, (laughs) but I don't even want to say they hit it well, but it wasn't awful the way that they made it. It's not going to be my go-to. Jason, today we're sipping on a couple of new fashions, which is basically an old-fashioned using new riff. Uh, I think this is the only one that we didn't try when we were down there. So (laughs) we know everybody's got their own twist on an old-fashioned. How does New Riff make them?
0: Yeah, this is the cocktail we didn't try when we were there, so it's pretty fitting that we mix this up for ourselves for this episode, and and it's pretty simple, straightforward, old-fashioned recipe, two ounces of New Riff bourbon, otherwise it's not a new fashioned and mm. uh, a half ounce of simple syrup, two dashes of orange bitters, we used Angosturo orange bitters. You stir and strain into a rocks glass with ice and garnish with orange peel and a Luxardo cherry. Jason, does the cherry make a difference? It really does. I have mocked them before in old fashions. (laughs) And the Luxardo cherries, these are awesome. They are really expensive cherries. I I can't recommend them if you're not out of debt and already saving 15% of your gross (laughs) income for retirement. That's
1: (laughs) a great point.
0: But if you are out of debt or if you've got a little splurge or if you found some room in your budget for the month, you know, you gave up clothes or groceries. And you can get some Luxardo (laughs) cherries. Uh, They are awesome. It was a game changer for me. And I'm not a fan of cherries really in in most forms, especially that little neon Jolly Rancher one that you usually put in your cocktail. These are not the same. They're branded cherries. They've changed my mind on cherries and cocktails.
1: They're something else. Yes. All right, moving on to the finance topic today, Jason. We are talking about Roth IRAs, yes, aren't we? We are talking about Roth IRAs.
0: Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Roth IRA. Let's let's talk about the name. IRAs, Individual Retirement Arrangement. Sometimes you'll see it a Individual Retirement Account or If you've been bamboozled, an individual retirement annuity.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've all seen that.
0: Either way, IRA is really a a, a tax designation, right? It's an individual retirement arrangement. It is taxed specially. Um, So that's what we're talking about with IRAs. We're not talking about a traditional IRA. We're talking about a Roth. Caleb, Mm -hmm. why is it called Roth IRA?
1: Well, this guy named William Roth had something to do with the legislation uh, that that basically the Roth IRA came out of. He was a, a U.S. representative from the state of Delaware. Uh, and then a senator. Mm-hmm. His parents actually ran a brewery in Montana, which is cool. This is a cocktail about mixed drinks, but we like we like the brews too. Oh yeah. <laughs> he served five terms as a senator, which is usually a red flag. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, don't hold but it against he, him. <laughs> <laughs> he he was a great uh, champion for tax cuts. Interestingly, he always had a St. Bernard dog. He died, and I say recently, but uh, I guess it has been a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. in two thousand three.
0: Yeah, he is, he is the senator that introduced the legislation to give us a Roth IRA, um, which at its very base was saying, instead of getting a tax break or not paying income taxes on the money that you put into the IRA right now and then paying the income taxes later, you pay the tax income taxes now, save the money in this William Roth IRA and you won't ever pay taxes again as long as you follow the rules on it. It'll grow tax deferred. And as long as you follow all the rules, you take it out and it's tax free when you remove it. Yeah. He liked tax cuts. He did not like people paying taxes. And he's like, hey, here's a better savings idea for some folks.
1: Yeah, this was uh this is something that's been around since 1997. So fairly new. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been around for a little while, but fairly new in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And like you said there, uh, I think a lot of times when we explain a Roth IRA to a client, they say, why Why would the IRS want you to put money into a Roth IRA? I think there's a few different reasons, you know, because really when we talk about taxes and it, it, we'll, we'll get into explaining how this works a little bit more. But th- the idea is they're willing to take taxes now versus later while it sounds backwards, you know, that they'd be deferring a bunch of tax or, or they'd be foregoing a bunch of tax income, they're, they're happy to take the, the taxes on the contributions today. You know, as long as you do it right, not pay taxes on the gains uh, going forward, which really when it comes down to it, in my opinion, from a tax perspective, this is the best game in town when it comes to retirement. Would you agree? Well, it depends. But it's an awesome game for most people. I, I'm
0: I am a huge fan of it, I, as you know, Caleb. I I recommend a Roth IRA to almost every single person that I talk to. Mm-hmm. Now, some people don't qualify. I obviously don't don't recommend it to them. I don't recommend it to folks that shouldn't be saving to invest at the at the moment that they're at. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about the rules for who can contribute and when. But the reason that a Roth IRA is so cool is because. You can you pay the taxes now and n- no, we don't like to pay taxes. If you if you get you're getting your it's tax season right now while we're recording mm-hmm. this, and if you get your taxes done by an EA or a CPA or just some tax preparer, their goal is to lower your taxes right now. Yeah. Well, to lower your current taxes right now, the best thing to do is to defer some of your income. And if you can contribute to a traditional IRA or a traditional Retirement plans that give you a tax deduction right now for putting the money into it, and you'll get taxed later. That's what they're probably going to recommend. But the Roth IRA is cool because it's kind of like an inverted version of that. Mm-hmm. You you pay the taxes now, which which stinks. I am not a fan of paying taxes. But once the taxes are paid on it, that's your money. You put it into the Roth IRA. You got to follow some rules. Mm-hmm but you control the spigot on it. It's a lot more liberal on taking the money back out because it's your money. You already paid the taxes on it. It's not locked in there with big tax penalties, theoretically, mm-hmm. to take it out. So so maybe it's a little more liquid. But the biggest bonus comes when you are at retirement age. If, so right now, you, have to, you put the money in a Roth IRA, same with the traditional IRA. You got to wait until you're 59 and a half to take money out. But if you do that, you can take out $1,000, $50,000, $500,000 out of your Roth IRA, and you don't have to think about the tax implications one bit.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the idea there is really, in Uncle Sam's eyes, hey, we've settled up on this money. We're good. Right. Yeah, we're good. So uh, like you said, uh, there are some rules that you have to follow. But if you need to dip into those funds for any reason, uh, and obviously we don't encourage it uh, because it is such a great tax efficient vehicle for down the road. But let's say that you, you know, you made Roth contributions for a few years and something comes up and you, you absolutely have to access cash. You can take your contributions out without any penalties. When you get yep. beyond that contribution and you get into the earnings, well, if you haven't done it the right way, and we'll talk about the right way to do this in a little bit, then you pay a little bit of penalty and you're gonna pay taxes. But the thing is, like like you brought up with uh, tax preparers looking for current tax break uh, breaks. What is the best way to pay less taxes today? A lot of tax preparers are a big proponent of the traditional IRA. I think we're more proponents of the Roth because we're looking at the the long term. Yeah, you know, I tell everybody in general if you don't have a tax problem right now and Roth is an option, that's it, really, in my opinion, th- that's the first thing you want to explore. You know, if you think of it this way. We'll get into some of the logistics, but let's say over the course of your career, you were able to make $200,000 in Roth contributions and you do everything the right way and you get to retirement and that account has grown to a million dollars. Okay, you have effectively paid taxes on $200,000 spread out over the course of your career. And and I'm just pulling that number out of thin air, but let's just let's just call it 200. That's $800,000 in gains that you can pull out if you followed the rules without paying taxes on at all ever
0: no capital gains taxes no more income taxes as as tax law stands now yeah and and another aspect and the reason that the IRA is a good thing anyway is the idea of tax deferred growth meaning if you have appreciation in there so if you put $10,000 into your IRA or your Roth IRA however it gets in there if it's pre or post tax it doesn't matter for this example it's going to grow if you invested it in a stock or a basket of stocks or whatever it is it it hopefully uh appreciates in value so you put in ten thousand dollars of your money and if like in your example it's worth more than that later not only did it grow it grew more because instead of having to pay taxes every time you rebalanced um, mm-hmm. uh, or you know like you would with a with a regular taxable account, the money that you would have paid in taxes is still in the account. So you have the compounding of yeah, dividends
1: effect, or capital gains distributions, anything that's going to happen on an annual basis anyway. Right.
0: Interest credited to it, capital appreciation, capital gains and dividends. It all just roll if you have it just rolling back in, none of that's being taxed and it's growing. Mm-hmm. So it increases the effects of, of compound interest. That's why a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA are good ideas for saving anyway if you qualify. And then with the Roth, mm-hmm. it's just it feels it feels like cheating You've done the painful part already because you, you <laughs> yeah. paid taxes right now. And and the IRS is happy because they need tax revenue. That's, that's their job. And they got the taxes now. And they're like, we're good. You've got tax deferred growth on all of that money. You should be shooting for appreciation with that money. And when it appreciates, you've got all of this gain that is not going to be taxable anymore. And it doesn't matter how much you take out or when, as long as you're past 59 and a half. It's... Like you said, it is probably the best game in town. It's why we talk about it with almost everyone.
1: We love it so much. We named our main conference room here <laughs> after William Roth. It's yeah, the it's William the- Roth conference room. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, if you want to cast uh, anything onto the the big screen in there, you got to cast to the William Roth room. Yeah. Um, we tell clients that nobody ever gets the joke, but we are no. big Roth IRA fans. And because of it, we're big William Roth fans.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I, I, it's funny when when we talk about this and and how it works and and basically paying taxes now versus later, you know, we go back to the idea of um, tax deferral in the first place. I think it's built on the idea of you know you're working and you're making uh, more money now than you'll make in retirement. Therefore, and that's a big therefore, you'll be in a lower income tax bracket when you get to retirement. Well, right a, again, and I, I've written about this in blogs and things like that, but. This is not a commentary on how much money I make. This is simply where I think the direction of our country is going from a tax standpoint. I don't think I'll ever be in a lower tax bracket than mm-hmm. I'm in now. I don't see how that, that could possibly be the case. And looking at this, you know, when we look at tax deferral and the benefits of, I would rather settle up now where I think I'm at a lower income tax bracket than I'll be in retirement. From the IRS's standpoint, though, if, if you were the IRS, looking at this as a business move, you wouldn't take this deal, would you? Take a little bit of tax revenue now and give up all of the growth later? I I understand why they do it, but if we're talking about making a deal here <laughs> with the IRS, that's essentially what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I definitely if I get why the IRS is doing it, they're they're taking the money now, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, and that's why they're taking the money now. But no, it's a great deal for the American taxpayer for the most part. Mm -hmm. There are situations where a traditional IRA would make more sense for someone than a Roth IRA. But as a general rule of thumb, your question for your financial advisor or you opening accounts or for yourself, if you manage your own retirement stuff, should be, can I do a Roth IRA? Mm -hmm. How can I do Roth IRA contributions? Because getting the money in there has so many more benefits than just, is your effective tax rate higher now than than it will be when you take money out of the account? hmm That's an important calculation to do, and you should definitely consider it because if you plan to impoverish yourself in retirement, well, a traditional IRA definitely might make more sense. If you plan on leaving it to beneficiaries of never using it, sometimes there's reasons to leave it in traditional, but almost always a Roth IRA is better as a better asset to inherit. Almost always. Definitely. And it's it's awesome. Your question should be you are saving for retirement can I do a Roth IRA? Should I do it right now? Or should I wait? Those are really the main questions you should ask yourself.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, you brought something up that I, d- I don't think that I didn't have written down in my notes when we talk about this, but inheriting a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA. Uh, when I'm explaining to clients why I like the Roth so much and why that's the option that we should pursu- pursue if it is an option, You know, when we talk about and we we have those clients who are are taking advantage of tax deferral, but realistically, you know, in all probability, they're probably not relying on their IRA for income. And that's a great situation to be in. A lot of these folks say, look, my kids are going to inherit this. Well, that's where I ask the question. Okay, so, you know, assuming that uh, life expectancy we're going to we're going to talk about life expectancy now. When do most people pass away? you know, they're in their 70s or their their 80s. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I understand that uh, life expectancy uh, continues to climb, but that's a slow, uh, it's a slow process. So if if you're passing away in your 70s or your 80s, how old are your kids? They're probably in their late 40s or their 50s or their 60s. Now, Mm -hmm. when we talk to retirees, at what phase in your life are you probably making the most money that you've ever made before? In your 50s? It's the last 60s. years
0: before retirement, usually making more money than you've ever made in your life right before you hang it up.
1: And therefore, you are in the highest tax bracket that you've ever been in your life. Right. So let's talk about what happens when you inherit a traditional IRA. Well, this is pretty, this is legislation that actually um, with COVID kind of, uh, it came out, it was, it was a topic for a couple of months and then it just disappeared because of COVID. But the SECURE Act, right? changed some things when it came to uh, traditional IRAs, retirement assets in general. And one of the biggest ones was inheriting uh, a traditional IRA or a traditional retirement asset. It used to be that if you inherited an asset, you could, let's say you were, you you know, your mother or father passed away, you inherit that asset, you can stretch it out over your life expectancy as far as the withdrawals that you have to take. Hmm. That's not the case anymore. So Jason, you have 10 years now. To pull that money out and settle up with Uncle Sam. So let's go back to my my example of I put $200,000 into an account. It's now a million dollars. If that's a traditional IRA, that means that I delayed paying taxes on $200,000 over my working career. Well, now I've got a million dollar tax time bomb at some point. If I All don't right. plan on taking anything out and my kids inherit that, let's just say they inherit a million dollars and now they've got to stretch that out over 10 years. Let's do simple math and say that the account doesn't grow. They've got to take $100,000 a year out, Mm -hmm. which is taxed at ordinary income rates. In your 50s or your 60s, when you're making more money than you've ever made and paying more taxes than you've ever paid, I say if you're going to do your kids a favor, do them a favor. Is it more tax effective for you to settle up on taxes today if you can and turn those tax-deferred gains into tax-free gains that, yes, they'll still have to take out. But now it's tax-free. Uh, what's the If you're not planning on using those assets for retirement, what's the most tax-effective solution there? The Roth IRA leaps and bounds. Absolutely. So this is the general rule of thumb. If you are saving retirement money
0: and you don't plan to spend it, you're going to give it to your kids. A Roth IRA is a way better asset to inherit because... Mm-hmm. You don't have to add $100,000 to your taxable income, which is going to take out at today's rates, 40, 40 ish percent, possibly like if it's at if you're in higher income brackets when you inherit that. Yeah, you commented the stretch IRA has been killed. The SECURE Act killed it. Now, if you inherit an IRA, you've got 10 years to get all the money out of it because Uncle Sam wants his income tax money. So yeah.
1: I don't I don't care what tax bracket you're in. If you're forced to take $100,000 out in a year at ordinary income rates, it is going to push you into the next highest bracket. Right. And I think the Secure Act, you know, there were some good things with the Secure Act. The required minimum distribution age was pushed from 70 and a half to 72. I I always said, "Hey, where they give, they also take away." Mm-hmm. I like the idea of delaying required minimum distributions, but as a trade-off, you're taking the stretch IRA away and forcing distributions over a ten-year period of time. That's a good deal for the IRS. That
0: is a good <laughs> deal for the IRS, but a Roth IRA avoids that whole thing. So uh, uh, that's yep. a great that's a great thing to take away from this show. If you're listening, if you are like a lot of my clients, I, I imagine it's the same for you, Caleb. We got a lot of folks that uh, have done a really good job saving they live well below their means for the most part and by the time they get to mm-hmm. financial independence the reason that they're there is because they have very little debt their expenses are pretty low cuz their lifestyle has been pretty modest and then their savings are pretty good we did a we did a show about millionaires well this is this is that uh, everyday millionaire next door type uh, that yeah. has done a really good job saving and they might have a million dollars that they saved in their 401k or their their iras and that sort of thing and then they their plan is to never touch that money. It's probably a large percentage of my retired clients are telling me mm-hmm. that, and I'm like, "That's great. We need to figure out how to get this into a Roth if it's not already." Then, like, if your income based on taxes, and and we'll talk about that in a future episode doing Roth conversions, how to get uh, traditional money into a Roth. But that's why a Roth is so great. It's a wonderful. Asset to inherit. Because you talked about inheriting a traditional IRA, not being able to stretch it. The rule is you have 10 years when you inherit an IRA Mm -hmm. to take the money out. All of it will count as ordinary income for you when you take it out. You can take it all out in the first year, you can take it all out the 10th year, or you can split it up somehow between that whole thing. With a Roth IRA, when you inherit it, you take the whole thing out. And you know why? You pay no income tax on it. It's your money. Yeah. Uh, it's an awesome thing. To I mean, inherit. the only
1: the only reason you would uh, you you wouldn't have to take it out all, all right away. I guess you could leave it in there and, and let it accumulate tax free. You could
0: continue the tax deferred growth, <laughs> and you you should if you don't need it. So that's what's also yeah. awesome about
1: it. But let's say that you know, let's say you inherit a Roth IRA, and you know you want to pay off your house, and you got a hundred thousand dollar balance. No big deal. Pulling a hundred thousand dollars out to pay your house yep. off. Now, if you do that from a traditional IRA. You got to pull out a whole lot more than a hundred thousand dollars to pay off that hundred thousand dollar mortgage right. balance. So uh,
0: whatever your effective tax rate is, on top of that, on top—that's what yeah. I, I tell people when I'm talking to them. I'm explaining why I'm such a, a fanboy of the Roth IRA, which most people in finance are because it seems like a slam dunk. But
1: like you said before, you know, from a tax standpoint, and we've, we've said this before: uh, a CPA or an EA, a lot of times their job is really to minimize taxes now. And so maybe they're not looking at this as much as we are as financial planners. But, you know, I think that's definitely worth some open conversation between your financial advisor and your your CPA or EA. But a lot of it comes down to opinion. If you think that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket down the road, OK, maybe. But I just don't see that being the case. Again, it's, it's the kind of one retirement no-brainer, I think, if you have the option available. I, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of folks who come to me saying, well, you know, legislation can change. Yeah. What if they decide to pull mm-hmm. this? Well, the Obama administration actually did have this on the table at one point in time, taxing mm-hmm. Roth IRAs that was squashed and laughed out of out of the house pretty quickly. If you're well,
0: the people that would bear the burden of that are pretty a pretty big voting block, I think. So I yeah, yeah. Tax laws can always change. So we're going with the information that we know right now. So that that is a good disclaimer. I still think that the odds of it being the best outcome are really high because of things like kids inheriting it or just spending the money. Like I know a ton of people that I help that make that transition from working to, to being financially independent to retiring. They start like they might want to spend money in chunks. You start remodeling the house, you go on vacations, you want to take the kids and the grandkids out. It's really Really valuable to not have to think about the tax implications of taking twenty or thirty or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars out of your retirement account. Like that's really hard yeah. to quantify. So when you're having this debate versus saving now on taxes versus saving later, you it's really important to think about things like that, like decision making ability, the freedom of the flexibility of moving that around. It's not just about what your effective tax rate will be in. Uh, you know, your, your age 54 year versus your age 72 year. That's a part of it. The calculation, like if we knew every single thing about what you're going to be like when you're spending money out of your Roth IRA, we could calculate it perfectly. But the part of this planning is that it's, it's, it's really fluid. It moves around. So I, I put it at premium on the value of flexibility of freedom and the Roth IRA gives that to you because you pay the taxes now. And then you're free. You can spend your saved money or you can let it continue to accumulate and and grow with tax advantage.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say about tax advantages, I, I mean, we're going to get into some more tax stuff as far as contribution limits and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But obviously, if you could design a perfect retirement, I think all tax free income would be the best uh, right. thing. <laughs> That's not always um, a possibility for everybody when you look at 401ks and even Roth 401ks. um, You know, when when you make Roth contributions to your 401k, that's great. Your contributions go in after tax. However, the company that's providing a match, they can't make a Roth contribution. So you still are going to have some traditional taxable income down the road, most likely. But I think, like you said, having the balance of at least having the flexibility of having some tax-free income there is really helpful for when the market sucks and the Murphy's Law situation, <laughs> right. right? The market sucks and the roof is leaking and the car just took a dump. Yeah, <laughs> and you need to pull some cash and you're on the the cusp of another tax bracket. The Roth gives you the flexibility that you need there, you know, to 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 access big chunks of money without uh, being a huge tax problem. So I
0: think that we've gotten a really good kind of overview of why. We're big fans of the Roth IRA and why it's worth your time thinking about it. So let's get into a little bit of the the technical stuff. Sure. Who can contribute to a Roth IRA? What are the rules? Let's give a, let's give a, an overview of that.
1: Yeah. So as far as Roth IRAs, like most things that we're looking at when it comes to the tax code, we're looking at income ranges as far as who can contribute. So. For a single person with a modified adjusted gross income of under $140,000, the Roth is going to be an option. Yes. That's the max, okay? So there's a phase-out range that begins at $125,000. So if your modified adjusted gross income, and we're not going to get into all the things that can affect that number, but think about standard deductions and things like that that bring that number down. If if the bottom line number is under that one twenty five. dollars you can contribute to a Roth IRA, uh, and, and you can fully contribute. So the contribution limit is six six thousand dollars per year if you are under fifty years of age. At fifty, you're eligible to take advantage of the catch-up provision, uh, which allows you to add an additional one thousand dollars, so a seven thousand dollars max uh, contribution. Did Heinz Hines sponsored
0: that? Get it? Catch-up. <laughs> <Jason. laughs> I'm sorry.
1: oh you know for a second there i thought did i miss something (laughs) normally i would say if you have to explain a joke it's not funny but uh, you were so close to having to explain it but then you didn't it's still funny i didn't (laughs) catch
0: up heinz ketchup
1: yeah that thousand dollars is good i actually there's been rumors
0: that that's that's being debated on uh increasing because it's such a pithy amount it's really an arbitrary
1: number oh a thousand dollars extra Yeah, this will help you
0: catch up. (laughs) So that's going to be congratulations. You're 50. You can you can do an extra thousand dollars in your yeah.
1: What they're talking about, and this is complete conjecture, just based on what's being discussed, is an inflation adjusted number. So from a tax perspective, that can make the numbers more difficult to work with, but makes it a little bit more fair. Um, So we just talked about the numbers for a single person. Uh, What about a uh, married filing jointly? Okay, so up to the magic numbers, Caleb. Yeah, up up to two hundred eight thousand dollars for a couple married filing jointly. Uh, Again, there's a phase out range starting at one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars, but remember that's modified adjusted gross income. Okay, I would say that most people fall in that category, Uh, wouldn't you? I mean, a, a, a majority. I think people are trying to get into that. I think the takeaway from this
0: is if you're single and the bottom line on your taxes is less than 125,000, you're safe. And if you're married filing joint, it's 198. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then and there's a phase out where you can contribute less uh, in between that and the top range. That's complicated math. Yeah. So to keep things simple with clients, I'm saying if you're if we can get your um your modified adjusted gross income under this, we don't have to worry about it. We're going to make Regular Roth contributions. yeah. So, and you can do six thousand dollars a year, unless you're over fifty. You can do seven thousand dollars a year.
1: And, and I think when you look at this, uh, some some folks have a an income that fluctuates a little bit, and they're right around those numbers. So every year, it's kind of a you know yeah. down to the down to the wire decision based on how taxes are playing out. But you know, another thing that I think we need to make very uh, apparent here in this discussion is that you know if you don't qualify based on those numbers alone. It's not over. Roth is not necessarily not an option. Like you said before, that is Mm -hmm. probably something that we'll dive into in later episodes as far as how to handle Roth conversions and things like that you know, in more of a strategy type of episode, I think, which we're going to have coming up here. It's
0: important to know, don't give up. If you make more money than this, don't worry, Congress people do too. So they had to figure (laughs) out a way to get money into their Roth IRAs, because it's such a good deal. So you can benefit from that as well. There are ways to do The
1: laws typically benefit the people making the laws, don't they, Jason?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So yeah, if you make more than these thresholds, There are ways to do it. It is a little bit more complicated, of course, uh, but don't give up. That's why I said you need to think about how to contribute to it. Can you contribute to a Roth IRA and how can you contribute to a Roth IRA? That's really important. Yeah,
1: and I know we're talking about Roth IRAs right now, but for, for folks who fall in the middle of that phase out range or above that phase out range, remember, and this is becoming a lot more popular in the marketplace today, if you can't contribute to a Roth IRA, that doesn't mean that you can't contribute to a Roth 401k if you have the option.
0: That's right. The the income limits are different for a for Roth 401k. Yeah, and reason, your right?
1: contribution limits are different too. That That's right. You know, right. I say the Roth IRA is the best game in town, the Roth 401k is pretty dang good too.
0: Yeah, I'll just go ahead and say you should use that yeah. probably if you've got it and you don't, you might not need a Roth IRA. I mean, if you, you can do both. It's amazing if you can do both. Well,
1: I'm not trying to give away all of, of what we do here, but generally what I would recommend for most people is if you have a Roth 401k available and your company provides a match, make sure you contribute up to the match. Get all the free money yes, you sir. can. We kind of talked about this way back in our first episode. Take the free money, Okay. No, they mm-hmm. can't match you, you know, your Roth dollars. It's got to be traditional. Not yet. The, another thing that's on the table, right? You're right. However, you know, you, you can put more into uh, the Roth 401k. So depending on where your income falls, you know, in the contribution match number, uh, whatever percentage it happens to be. I, take the free money. Oh, yeah. Okay? And then if you can contribute to a Roth IRA, because you have more control with investment selection and all that kind of stuff, you go fully fund a Roth IRA. If you're still running out of places to put retirement money, go back into the 401k. Yeah. I, I guess that's not rocket science. No. That's what I would typically recommend nine times out of ten. It's okay
0: to give it away. That's really that's good free information for our listeners. That's, that is pretty much what we tell folks to do.
1: Bottom line, if you have a, a 401k at this point in time, maybe you've been at your employer for 20 years and a Roth hasn't always been an option, find out if Roth is an option and if it is. You need to look into it. Um, That's that's huge. Mm -hmm. I I guess the next thing we've talked a lot, Jason, about tax treatment of withdrawals and and things of that nature and and what all the rules are as far as uh, getting the most out of your Roth IRA. IRA. But let's dig into that a little bit more um, and, and jump into the tax treatment of different types of withdrawals.
0: Before we move on, I'm sorry. That was a good transition. (laughs) I just ruined it. The contributions, something that's really important because a lot of people, uh, we take this for granted in our industry. But another really big rule about Roth IRA contributions is you can't contribute unless you have an earned income. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to have made at least as much money as you're contributing to a Roth IRA. True. But what about if you have if you're married and your spouse doesn't
1: work? I'm glad we didn't forget this, or you didn't forget this, Jason. Great point. (laughs) Great, great point. We between the two of us, man, we are a good financial advisor. (laughs) I think I think you and I our powers combined. (laughs) Yeah,
0: man. There's such there's such thing as a spousal IRA, uh-huh. and this was this was actually a pretty cool invention. If if you're working and you qualify for Roth con- contributions because you have an earned income, you can also contribute to a spousal IRA, even if your spouse does not have an earned income. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. Like in my situation, my wife stays home. She's awesome. She's lovely and beautiful. And hopefully listening to this. And uh, she has a Roth IRA when we made some contributions. And she when we did that, she said, What? I don't why are we saving for me? Is this okay?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, if because you, are, you if, have to be able to say, Look, honey, you work harder than I do. You should be able to contribute <laughs> to retirement too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you can do a
0: spousal IRA. The contribution limit is the same based on age, six thousand dollars unless you're over fifty, uh, and then you can do seven thousand dollars a year. Um, But I thought it was worth mentioning that yeah. that exists.
1: So you do need an earned income. Great. Unless you are a non-working spouse. Whether your spouse stays home with kids, uh, whether they are working on becoming an Instagram influencer or, you know, getting paid to do video games or whatever, you can right. contribute.
0: <laughs> or if you're like a nurse anesthetist and your husband is staying at home trying to be a rock star. Yeah. You can make Roth contributions for him, too, as long as you qualify.
1: Awesome. <laughs> All right. So, tax treatment of withdrawals, Jason. Hit us with those, Caleb. We kind of have alluded to them before, but hit us with the big ones. Sure. So, the biggest thing when we talk about uh, withdrawals from a Roth IRA, we talked about settling up on the taxes, but how do you make sure that your growth comes out tax-free as well? Well, there's a couple of big points here. Uh, mm-hmm. One is 59 and a half, okay? You got to take withdrawals after 59 and a half uh, for that tax. And, and that kind of you know goes with traditional IRAs, too. Any kind of retirement withdrawal before 59 and a half, from an IRA standpoint is <laughs> going to come with some kind of a penalty unless there's some kind of extenuating circumstance. So yes. there is an additional uh, uh, caveat here with the Roth, which is five years. Got to be open, established within uh, the last five years. OK, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, at least five years. It's got to be open that
0: long. Before you can take stuff out.
1: Let, let's say you do a big conversion your last year uh, before you retire and you've got a Roth IRA that you, you've had for a year. And then you go to pull the gains the following year. That's not going to fly. So there's some planning involved. Uh, five right. years and 59 and a half. So what if, you know, it's less than five years, you're over 59 and a half. Sorry, you're going to pay. You're going to pay some taxes. You know, if it's less than five years and you're under 59 and a half penalties and taxes. Okay. Right. Less than five years, over 59 and a half, taxes. (laughs) Less than five years, greater than five years and under 59 and a half, still taxes, penalties. So it's confusing, Caleb. At least five years, at least 59 and a half. You need to have it open for five years and be over
0: 59 and a half to avoid
1: (laughs) all of that gobbledygook that Caleb was just saying. But let's talk about premature distributions. Do we have to? Yes. Okay. We don't encourage it. But let's say you don't have a savings account or a well-funded savings account and all you've got is traditional IRA and a Roth IRA and the car broke down and the roof is leaking and Mm -hmm. you're looking for a new job and that's why you're in this situation. Okay. So you can take a premature withdrawal. Your contributions come out first. Okay. So because you paid taxes on those contributions going in, you can take your contributions out without any taxes or penalties. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you're just taking money that you've already paid taxes on. You're taking it back out. That's okay. That's right. Because taxes have been settled up on. Okay. Yes. So that's, that's important to remember. If you go above and beyond the amount that you contributed, well, now you're getting into taxes and penalties. However, there are some extenuating circumstances similar to traditional IRAs where, you know, 10% penalty would be waived. Uh, Jason, go into some of those examples a little bit, if you will.
0: Yeah, they're really, they're really mirrors of the traditional IRA. So it's, it's really nice that tax penalty is waived if you have qualifying medical expenses, if you're declared permanently disabled, if you're a first-time homebuyer up to $10,000, some birth and adoption expenses, um, if you do a, a substantially equal payments. Some higher education uh, expenses are covered, too. Yeah. There are some qualifying circumstances that will let you avoid that tax penalty, but you have to qualify and you have to jump through some hoops. You can't just say, yeah, "Uh,
1: yeah, Um, permanently disabled. Be prepared to answer for your uh, answers. You have to substantiate. Be be prepared to answer some questions uh, on, on tax forms if you're, you know, if you're claiming one of these exemptions. Uh, you might have to prove that, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but of course, we don't ever recommend circumventing the law.
0: Let S- me circumventing, sur-sum-vent
1: if you will. <laughs> uh, but no, there are some. Flex- and you talked about flexibility early, which is really important. Uh, so, because of the tax-free nature of withdrawals, if you do everything right, very flexible for taking large withdrawals. But similar to traditional uh, IRAs, there's some flexibility for extenuating big life Mm -hmm. events, you know, those big circumstances. So another thing would be uh, required minimum distributions, which, you know, I guess we haven't done a traditional IRA episode, but we sort of talked about taxability of traditional assets versus Roth assets. And in a nutshell, as quickly and briefly as I can, if you are deferring taxes on a traditional IRA okay, or a 401k or anything where you're deferring taxes, what we're saying is, hey, IRS, we're going to set this to the side. We'll settle up later when we take money out. Contributions and growth is all going to come out and we're going to pay taxes. You get to age 72 and you realize, you know what? I don't need to take money out for income. I've got a pension. I've got social security. Maybe you got some rental properties and things like that that are paying the bills. Well, Uncle Sam's going to come knocking and say, hey, you got to you got to pay the bill at some point okay so at age 72 you have to start taking a certain percentage out every year and that's a a scale that goes up based on life expectancy basically what they're saying is we're going to clean you out over your lifespan over your your life expectancy you have to start taking money out whether you want or not because we are going to collect taxes on this money sooner or the later the
0: government always getting their taxes
1: they are not going to let you go by without paying taxes okay uh, that's, that's why the around. Roth is so strange. It, it's the it's kind of the one loophole out there. I mean, there's no, plenty of loopholes now. for not paying taxes, but it's <laughs> it's the one. Boom, certified stamp of approval. Yeah, you know, retirement plan uh, that allows you to not pay taxes on growth. Uh, so take it, take advantage of it as long as you can. Work that tax code. Work folks. that tax code <laughs> because in the IRS's eyes, a Roth IRA has been settled up they are not going to require that you make distributions because there's, quite frankly, nothing in it for them. That's right. No required minimum distribution for a Roth IRA. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you know, when we talk to clients in retirement, it's funny because even some retired folks are doing Roth conversions. Again, we'll talk about that in another episode, I think. But yeah. Oh, what a tease. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of things uh, Roth conversions, backdoor Roth IRA contributions, the mega conversion.
0: Mega uh, Roth conversion. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty cool it's stuff. It's
1: awesome stuff. We're going to have a Roth IRA series, I think, Caleb. I think this is kicking it off. I, I like that uh, because, again, uh, this is something that's so beneficial for most people. Most people, in one way or the other, can benefit from a Roth, whether they're in those income limits or not. There's probably a way that you can make this work in your benefit and like we always say, work that tax code. So
0: in summary, the Roth IRA is awesome.
1: Yes, I agree. New Riff is awesome. They're good and not as good as the Roth IRA. The new, the new Riff on an old traditional IRA is pretty sweet. Uh, we like them both. Um, if you have the opportunity, enjoy both Roth IRAs and I'm just going to say it. Whiskey.
0: (laughs) Yes. We want to enjoy life. Uh, Let's let's enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Cool, man. So I think that uh, there's no controversy here. (laughs) The Roth is pretty great as long as it's available. Again, speculation that what if, what if, what if? Well, as long as it is, let's take advantage of it. Let's use it to our benefit. Cool. Yes. Anything to add, Jason? I've added all (laughs) that I want to add for today. Okay, well, great. (laughs) Uh, In that case, I think it's time for... Questions. Straight up.
0: Today, a question slash comment comes from Tom. He asks, in a non-IRA account, do you only pay taxes when
1: you sell? Funny stuff for sure makes me want to start drinking fancy stuff. That's a great question, <laughs> and I love the comment. Uh, so the funny stuff, I think, is referring to our podcast and not taxes. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So to clarify, okay, and set the stage here, in an IRA, you pay taxes only when you withdraw money. Again, we talked about tax deferral in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes out at ordinary income rates. We, we kind of talked about that. In a Roth, because you've done everything correctly, you don't pay taxes on distributions. In a non-qualified account, so this would be an after-tax, just brokerage account, not retirement, um, there is going to generally be some taxable activity going on every year. Um, that can be from the sale of an asset, in which case you're going to pay taxable uh, capital gains, uh, whether that's short or long-term, and the number there is one year or, or longer. And by the way, short-term capital gains, if it's short-term, you're going to pay ordinary income taxes. Mm -hmm. If it's long-term as of now, and there's a lot of speculation about capital gains taxes going up, but as of now, capital gains, there's a 0% bracket. There's a 15% bracket and there's a 20% bracket. Okay, So depending on where you fall, long-term capital gains can be a lot more advantageous uh, for your taxes. But there's also something called dividends, which are taxable as well. Usually what you're going to see when you receive that 1099 tax form going into tax season and it spells it all out, you're going to see a mix of ordinary income and capital gains or losses. Because of the way that certain mutual funds or other packaged investments report things, there's a possibility, and I, I try to brace folks for this, there's a possibility that you could have negative market returns and still owe taxes based on the way that these things are reported. These types of events, though, uh, of events usually uh, result in what we call a stepped-up cost basis which you know will limit your gains eventually when you sell. So a good practice is to find opportunities for tax loss harvesting, which we do here. I think a good tax person can help with this too. Remember, if you have a non-taxable account, there's activity going on, tax activity that's not sheltered, okay? You're going to have taxable uh, occurrences happening in that account. Are there ways to work around that? Absolutely. But remember, and I tell everybody this, remember if you're paying taxes, you've made money. So it can't be all that bad. I don't know. Hopefully that helped.
0: Yeah. At some point, usually taxes indicate that you increased somewhere unless Mm -hmm. something went haywire. Uh, I think the the key takeaway for this kind of question, which I get a lot, because like we we are immersed in IRA land and Roth IRA land and qualified accounts versus non qualified accounts, and this is this is a question about that exact thing. A qualified account just means there's special tax rules for it, and not mm. like and that would be an IRA. I've heard it described an IRA as a a sweater that you put over your money to protect it, or a raincoat <laughs> that protects your money from taxes. And that's like an IRA, a Roth IRA. 401k is actually a section in the tax code. It's section uh-huh. 401k. Okay. So that that's all this stuff is. A non-qualified account is just a regular account. You got gains on it. So they're, cap, they're taxed at cap gains rates. Dividends, if they spew out of there, are taxed at dividend rates, depending on if they're uh, ordinary dividends or not. So that's really what the question is. There's different taxations for different kinds of accounts. There's a big difference between a qualified account and a non-qualified account, so -hmm. it's important to to know know that difference and and kind of look it up. A good financial advisor and tax person will help you with that.
1: Yep, absolutely. And if you've got two that are on the same page, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Jason, I've got a couple of questions here and, uh, well, sort of one question, two questions in one. Anonymous asks, "Oh, what exactly is high finance? (laughs) <laughs> and money muddling.
0: <laughs> I'm sure everyone that has listened to this wants to know what high finance is. And it was just me being goofy at first, but really has turned into the high higher ends of the steps to financial independence. So, in the early phases, you'll be talking about getting out of debt, getting an emergency mm-hmm. fund, getting the right risk management stuff in place. Uh, above that, the high finance part is really making the moves towards financial independence. So it'd be figuring out how to balance a Roth IRA with your 401k and maybe adding a non-qualified investment account and what investments to select. And talking about estate planning, talking about uh, if you need an umbrella insurance policy or not, that's high finance. Really everything above getting debt free is pretty yeah. much the high finance. Uh,
1: Money muddling, I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> So if you're if you're not uh, well versed in cocktail language muddling is something that you do to express oils right, right. In- <laughs> some kind of mixer like orange peel or lemon stirring and smashing it's It's, stirring and smashing
0: caleb expressing
1: oils it's (laughs) just us trying to be funny but like i said earlier in the episode if you have to explain the joke it's not funny so sorry everybody it was not very funny this podcast is almost called money Muddlers, and i'm (laughs) glad it's not because nobody knows what the heck that means yeah someone we consulted with said no i don't like that All right, Jason. Well, this is the part of the show when we invite our listeners to speak easy about whatever's on their mind. This is a great place to share a recipe or a story or any thoughts, questions, and emotional outbursts that you may have. Jason, did anything come into the speak easy this week? Yeah, Scott says the finance topics are good, and I find the cocktail history to be really entertaining. Cool. I'm glad somebody's liking it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Scott. <laughs> Keep the feedback coming. We love to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, we love to hear new listeners uh, input all the time. And so. find
0: our online speakeasy if you can. I mean, it's like some real, shoot, what's his name? Hum- real Humphrey Bogart stuff.
1: Yeah, it's secret. It's out there. You might be able to find it if you search. It's out there, folks. <laughs> Secrets. All right, Jason, it's time to close out the tab. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having a drink with us this week. Folks, it's time to close out that tab. If you have a question or topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. (laughs) You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers! Cheers!
0: Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise specifically cited.